Hi everyone, and you're very welcome to Reinventing the Next Chapter, a podcast where I speak to women who either through choice or through circumstance have had to take a step back, reevaluate their lives and make some powerful changes. I'm your host, Elaine Ryan, life, career and relationship coach. If you're feeling stuck or not where you thought you'd be in life, my hope is that these stories will give you the inspiration and more importantly, the motivation to take the first step towards reinventing your next chapter. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode six of Reinventing the Next Chapter. Today, I'm joined by actor and comedian Taryn O'Sullivan. Taryn, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me on, Elaine. Great to have you here. And I'm lucky to get you because you are getting more and more popular every time I see it on social media. You've another gig. So I'm hoping I'm getting you now before it's impossible to get before everybody's looking for you on a podcast. Oh, do you want to give a quick intro about yourself, who you are and what you do? Yeah, brilliant. So my name's Taryn um, O'Sullivan. I'm originally from me. I am working as a comedian and I also do contribution to radio shows. So come on and talk about different topics. And I work behind the scenes in a radio station, which I absolutely love, as well as acting on some small TV shows like I've done maybe three or four in the last year or so. So that's all keeping me really busy at the minute. Wow, it sounds really varied and exciting, but we'll get more into the details of of the individual bits and pieces. But can I take you back to when you were younger? So did you always have an interest in performing or when you were a little girl, what did you think your life was going to look like when you grew up? So it's quite complicated for me because my parents were very much like uh, my brother was going to be a solicitor and I was going to be a journalist. They kind of told us that very (laughs) Okay, so you were given a role at a young age. Like completely given a role and I was going to be a journalist. So it was always very confusing because I knew I loved to perform and be on stage, but I was very, very shy, I'd say, until I was about 20, 21. Like I actually found like being in conversation very hard, which is weird because I'm very chatty now, but I really struggled with conversation. I was very shy. I was very self-conscious, like really self-conscious until I was in my definitely early 20s. Like I was even too self-conscious to play sport. Like I wouldn't like to be on the field. I wouldn't like someone to pass the ball and everyone to look at me. Like really, really, (laughs) really big self-confidence issues. I think I always loved it. And I knew like I looked at people on TV and like actors and comedians and was like in awe and like, oh, my God, I would love to do that. I would love to get up and say my piece. But I just couldn't really imagine that it was something that was doable for me. What happened then when you were when it was coming up to fifth and sixth year to making your choice? So I did actually apply for journalism. I took a year out after school and then I went to DIT and did journalism for a year. And I think my parents kind of saw how miserable I was. Like, even though I'm kind of going down the line now, something similar enough to journalism and to have a journalism degree now would be really good. Like, it would be really helpful. But like, I just knew it wasn't the right thing for me. I didn't feel connected. Like, I I just didn't feel I was in the right place. And then I applied for a drama school in England and went over and auditioned, ended up getting in. And I think it was just I knew it was the right thing for me, even though like looking back, my parents must have been like, she's so shy. Like, how is she going to go over and live in another country and do a drama degree? 
Um, But really, it was exactly what I needed for my personality. Like, I couldn't have been a journalist either with how quiet and self-conscious I was. So there must have been something. How were you able to even do the auditions and like painfully shy when you were over and you obviously did a good audition that you got into the school? I had done drama classes, but I was never confident. I never felt engaged. Like, I never enjoyed getting up on stage. Like, I'd love to be kind of on the sidelines watching. So when I picked a piece that I felt really connected to and they kind of, they let me sit down and kind of perform it at that. But I, like my first year in drama college was actually a foundation year. So kind of looking back, I think most people would have got in because we were kind of the guinea pigs. <laughs> right. Well, um, don't, be, don't be putting yourself down. I'm sure you needed to do a good edition as well. Yeah. I think it was more my passion for like the subject like obviously the fact that I was Irish as well, like going over, like they want kind of lots of different people in a in a drama group. You know, if everyone's the same, it's not it's not great. So I think I was lucky just I was the only Irish person that applied as well. Um, was there a particular reason you went to Manchester? I auditioned for a good few others and I didn't get in. So okay. actually Alwar was the only one that I got into, but it ended up being the right place for me. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So how did that go then, that college experience? Like it was amazing. And like to move over to another country, like when I look back, like it couldn't have happened any better. And it all happened really quickly. Like from the time of the audition to the time I was moving over, it was two weeks, which was insane. Like I had just repeated my college exams for journalism And I knew I wasn't going to pass them. Like I used to get the bus into town to do the exams and like barely, I don't think I even went to all of them because I was like, I can't go back and do this again another year. And then so moving over and like just the excitement and going to college and I think just being somewhere else and being away from my family as well. Like not that there's anything wrong with them, but obviously they, they have ideas of what you should be doing. And I don't know how you should be as a person, how you should be spending your time. And then all of a sudden it was all up to me. And like how I wanted to live my life. And I think I just came out of myself so quickly over there. So it sounds like you just really found the the right path for you. Yeah. And as well, another thing that was big for me, because I'd lived in the country all my life and Wigan was like a little town. So it's the first time I could ever have a part time job because, you know, like I was living in a town. So I got a job in a nightclub. And that was another thing that was so good for my confidence like just along with the moving, like living somewhere else, being part of a community, um, meeting lots of people, like it slowly started to build up like my skills, like my conversation skills, my chatting, which has all become so important. Yeah. And a nightclub in particular for somebody that was shy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, because I, I was very shy as well when I was a teenager and I remember getting a job in a pub when I was 17 on my friend's mom was kind of laughing when she heard she was like but you're so shy how do you talk to anyone or take their orders but it's a really good I found it like yeah you were mortified well I was mortified mortified bringing somebody a pint or something but it is really good to get you out of your shell oh like so good and then before you know you're chatting constantly to all these people because you're probably spending 16 hours a week mainly talking because I was definitely work shy at that age so (laughs) I was definitely chatting more than I was pulling mine (laughs) Yeah, it was huge for me. Definitely looking back, like a huge thing to bring me out of my shell. So you went over to Manchester, you did the course. 
you had a part-time job in my club and then when the course finished what was the next step the scary thing about the course finishing was like you're kind of back at step one like I thought all the agents would be like banging the door down <laughs> but like no I one would be calling yeah like I genuinely thought oh and that's probably a bit of my naivety because I was young but nothing happened a lot of my friends signed to big agencies people were moving to London like it feel, felt like everyone's life was really taking off and everything was happening really fast or else people were in relationships and they were moving somewhere with their partner and I felt like really like oh my god do I move back to Ireland do I stay here like I've I've nothing so I was like completely lost and then a friend of mine was living in Australia at the time and she was like why don't you come out here for a couple of months and so I looked into the visa and then I was like sure I'll just go for a year and ended up staying for two years in Australia so that was kind of my next step but also that was kind of me a bit kind of running away from the truth of what am I actually going to do because I didn't know yeah and then um, did you do anything acting wise when you were over there or was it the typical kind of year out or I mean, like typical kind of like working in pubs again but like looking back as well like I don't think I'd be where I am now if I hadn't gone to Australia because that was just a huge part and comedy wise, I started doing improv comedy over there, actually, which is okay. huge. I'd done a tiny bit of it in Manchester, but not that much. And I got really involved in improv comedy over there and ended up actually doing a summer in Chicago after when I left Australia. I did a summer in Chicago then uh, studying improv and kind of more detail and that has given me so much confidence. And it's also like I met so many people through that and was like, oh, my God, these people are so similar to me. Um, like they say improv is kind of like a cult and it definitely is. And then moving back to Ireland, I got involved in improv again and met loads of people. So that's been a huge, yeah, huge reason for me getting into stand up as well. OK, so that was kind of a thread through Australia, Chicago. And then when you came back. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Okay, so you got the traveling out of your system with Australia and Chicago and then you came home. So then and then, you, as you said, you got involved in improv and what else were you doing or what else was happening for you? So when, when I came back, like I literally crawled off the plane like this is shocking to say, but I had two pairs of knickers like when I arrived. <laughs> when I got off the plane in Dublin, like I literally had one of my bags had been stolen in Chicago. One of my oh, no. carrier, like who carried, like it was like full of clothes and things like that have been stolen. So I really had nothing and I had no money. And I was like, Oh God, I have to start working straight away. So I called a temp agency as soon as I was back. And I actually, within maybe two weeks, I got a temp job in an office and that led on to like, I think it was nearly a year and a half of working in offices maybe even two years. And it was just kind of, I couldn't find a way out then. The office work, like I was doing lots of improv and trying to get my kind of fix, my creative fix from that. But then, yeah. And then I moved into town and moved into Dublin and it's like, you can't take a break from work because you need to pay your rent. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But I didn't know how to get involved in a more creative job. And I actually wasn't sure of what I wanted to do or what I needed to do to get to somewhere better. Okay. So what changed then? So then I actually Googled uh, life coaches and you came up a lane. Before that, I got fired from the last job I was working at for 10 months. And I actually, it was a, I was working as a receptionist. And even though I didn't like the work or the job, I really liked the company and I really liked the people. So I felt kind of connected to that. And when I got fired, 
And they fired me because I wouldn't accept a full-time contract that had less money. So it wasn't anything, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I wasn't robbing or anything. Um, <laughs> then I was really lost. So it was the first time that I kind of had a few weeks off in a long time. And that was when I looked up uh, coaching, life coaching. Okay. And I was giving my mental talk about that. How did that help you then? Or how Just did you help, definitely time? help me being like, okay, what are the things that I like in a job? What makes me happy? When do I feel connected to myself? And I don't think I'd ever really truly thought of these things. And I think so much of my life is like, oh, how can I make money? How can I kind of impress my parents? How can I have a nice job when a man tries to chat up me up in the pub that I sound cool? Like all these. <laughs> Like all these kind of things that it's like, I never once thought, what do I really, really genuinely want to do? Even though, yeah, like the acting had been a dream and it is something that I still love, but I don't think I'd ever been like, all right, okay, so what skills do I have? Where could they be other than this exact one thing? And that's where I started thinking about radio as a kind of a medium that I always really loved and TV production as well. And ended up getting a job as a runner in a TV station which kind of gave me a huge, broad kind of outlook on like, what are all the different jobs that goes into TV production? And I worked in that for nearly two years. And then through that, I kind of realized it's actually radio and radio production, like as a job that I really want to do. But also saw that comedy is what makes me really, really happy and feel connected, feel like I'm kind of giving back something stupid, but like giving my kind of put my kind of say into the world that I feel yeah it's really good for my confidence yeah in a weird way comedy makes me feel more confident even though a lot of the time it goes shite <laughs> and I like hate myself afterwards but I feel like okay I did it like I did the thing that makes me feel really good well talk to us about that then so how so from being this really shy child and hating anybody looking you looking at you or the thought of people looking at you even playing sport or anything like that too doing something which I know would be a lot of people's worst nightmares. I've heard lots of people saying like they, the thing they fear most is like doing stand up and just the, the whole thing. So how, how do you manage that or how do you feel before you go on stage? The weird thing for me about stand up is like, and this, I don't know how this sounds, but it's the only thing that I've ever done in my life that people are like, you're really good at this. And oh, Yeah, like I've never had it in school. I've never had it at anything. And like, I don't know if that means that I'm going to make it or whatever, but it's like people are like, oh, Taryn, you're really good at this. And the amount that that encourages you and pushes you forward, even when your nerves are at you and you're so shy and like, oh, I don't like I don't want to do it. And also it's like I feel like when I make a joke that's something that I've been thinking or that's been building up inside of me, I feel like it's almost like therapy, like to get it out on stage. And I've kind of changed my way of thinking. Like I used to be so nervous at the start and now I'm like, no, Taryn, this is something that you really love and this is your chance to express yourself and you're good at this. Like I have to keep telling myself that. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, you were saying just before we came on that you're doing like, is it three gigs a week at the moment? Yeah, around that. Yeah. From just doing improv when you came back from the States to to getting three gigs a week is is amazing. Like, so you're obviously are really the word is getting obviously getting rain that you are really good at what you do and is it part of us kind of making connections from one gig to lead to a next 
the next like one. definitely and that's where the social skills that like I definitely didn't have when I was younger that I've built up over the years like come in and it's like can you get on with people can you work with them can you chat with them like do people want to have you in a room like and I think yeah. like a lineup is all as well a lineup on a night of of comedy is how does everyone gel together how does everyone get on so yeah definitely like the social skills are huge and I feel like so lucky that I've traveled and I've met lots of people and I feel like yeah that's a really big part of it like just the chat afterwards and getting on with everyone yeah definitely and then you were at the Edinburgh Fringe as well weren't you I was there for the whole month of August the whole month in Edinburgh which was amazing because I definitely thought like that that was my kind of time of traveling and like experiencing new things and new places I kind of thought it was over and when the chance to go to Edinburgh for the month came up like I'm working now at the minute and I in a job that I really love and I kind of had to make the decision like am I going to say I need to take this month off and a lot of people were like oh don't don't risk it you might annoy them blah blah blah. so I kind of risked it and was like I'm going to go and it's paid off in dividends no, and I'm so glad I took the risk um of going because I genuinely didn't think I was going to do any more traveling or and I know it's just for a month, but it's a big deal when you're paying rent, when you're like you know when you've got responsibilities and everything to go yeah. somewhere for a month. So, yeah, I'm really glad, learned so much, met so many amazing people and like yeah, just to do comedy like a couple of times a day, like I was literally three or, three or four times a day sometimes. And like one of our gigs was at 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so, yeah, you're never going to have as hard a crowd as a 10 o'clock in the morning hungover yeah. crowd. Were they drinking? <laughs> no, not drinking. But some of them just hadn't had coffee yet or anything. So it was just like, they were grumpy. <laughs> oh, no. And how was that? Was that the hardest gig you've done? Oh, really hard. And sometimes they bring their children. So it's like trying to do comedy for children. It's like I've no idea what kids are interested in or what they like so trying to engage them but after a while you realize that they weren't actually listening so you could you could say just hear it to the parents <laughs> yeah definitely oh, wow so there's the kind of you said like that you're getting that feeling that after every gig that you're getting better and people are telling you you're really good but you still kind of have the nerves going on are you on a massive high when you finish the gig like sometimes a massive high but I feel like it never goes well when I really want to and on this is a good story on Wednesday I got to a gig and I was opening and I was stood on the stairs and one of my icons in comedy is Kevin Bridges and I was stood on the stairs getting ready I was kind of looking at my notes or whatever and then someone came up the stairs and you know when you look at someone you're like I know them but I don't know them yeah so I turned to the comedian on my left and I was like is that uh Kevin Bridges (laughs) and they're like yeah yeah he's gonna be going on after you and I was like uh what just completely starstruck and just like how am I gonna keep it together because when I went on stage he was watching me and he was going to be coming on after me so I was like kind of opening for him like not technically but I was on before him like yeah and I was like how am I going to keep together and now it didn't go great it wasn't my best performance by a mile but I was like at least I get up got up and I did it and I made some sense but it was exciting at the end of that half that first half of the show the lady Sharon Mannion who was presenting who was the MC, she was like oh give it up for your acts in your first half Taryn O'Sullivan and Kevin Bridges and that was just like a moment that I was like I will never forget this two names together yeah like I nearly fell over even though I knew what had happened 
I was like, oh my God, like our names together, that's so exciting. Wow. Well, hopefully he was saying the same thing. Hopefully he was delighted to be. Uh, I don't think he. <laughs> <laughs> so would you kind of consider yourself a bit of a free spirit? Like I really do, do not like being told what to do. And I wish I'd kind of realized that sooner about myself because it's kind of easier now. Because sometimes in work when someone tells me what to do and my automatic thing is like to get annoyed inside. It's like, no, Taryn, you just don't like this, but it's fine. Like they're just, but like I know in my own life, like my comedy, which I have control of and like everything else to do in my life. It's like, I know I just don't like being told what to do. So I think that's why I like to do all these creative things because you're kind of the director of your own your own voice and your own narrative. Brilliant. Yeah. It sounds like it's a really exciting time and you're on the up and up. And I suppose as well, the fact that there's more and more female comedians, is that helping you in general or? It definitely is because like, it's so nice to see other women there. The women are so supportive of each other. Like everyone that I've met through comedy anyway, has been so supportive and like one of my icons is Deirdre O'Kane and she is so yeah. supportive of other women in comedy. Like you would think that there's kind of a bit of a backstabby bitchy thing, but like I've never noticed any of it or seen it and nothing but good things. And like women are just so funny and like it's amazing to watch and just to be in another lineup with another woman. And like, I, I mean, I always find them the funniest. <laughs> so I'm just so happy whenever I see another woman in comedy. And there's so many greats that have gone before that have kind of paved the way for the rest of us that we're, we're just really lucky. Yeah. And John McNally, obviously, absolutely hilarious. Yeah. I think as well as a woman, sometimes like this stuff, that's just, you know, it's difficult as a woman that's not spoken about. But then when people mm-hmm. can kind of make it a bit lighthearted and you can really resonate with it. Like if men had periods, we would be talking about them constantly. <laughs> like it would be. I know. Yeah. Like all these things that we and like the menopause, I feel like people are only starting to talk about that recently. Yeah. And it's like it, comedy is so important because it does hold up a kind of a mirror to society. And it's like, if we can laugh about things and engage in these things and chat about them, it makes it all seem more doable. And like, we yeah. need to laugh at the minute. And yeah. yeah, I think female comedies, it's like amazing because it's like, that's half of, half of the population is female. Well, I don't know exactly, I'm sure it is. We need to be talking about these things and laughing about them. Yeah, and I think bringing a bit of comedy into situations like periods or the menopause or mm-hmm. what normal everyday things that have probably in the past been associated more with shame and embarrassment shame. and yeah. bring the comedy to it just makes it, okay, it might be a bit awkward the first time somebody says it, but then it makes it, as you said, much more normal for people to be able to talk about it. Yeah, like in school, when you'd start getting your periods, you'd be mortified. And like, I hope it's not as embarrassing now, but I think it just needs to be spoken about more. And comedy is a great way to do it. So I suppose the part of this podcast is painting a realistic picture of what making change is really like and pursuing your passion isn't, isn't always easy, but it can often and most of the time is worth it. So What would you say have been kind of the key challenges for you along the way? I think definitely self-belief. Yeah. And kind of picking something and sticking to it. Like I've kind of bounced between lots of ideas, which in the end, I've it's been a good thing maybe. But I think maybe if I'd focused more 
and just even written down a list of things as I did when I went to the sessions with you, like things, this is what I'm proud of myself for. This is what I'm interested in. Just kind of getting to know myself a bit more mm-hmm. um, was a challenge. Like, yes, kind of self-belief and self-knowledge. And like, I suppose just trying was a, it's like, oh, being too scared to try. I definitely held myself back. So I was like, oh, what if this doesn't work out? And what, and it's like, well, what if it does? And it's still like definitely really scary. But like when I look back, I would just tell myself that it's, this is fine. Like it is all going to be fine. And does it help that you have a day job as well as, you know, that you have, I know, I know you've mentioned a few times about making the rent and the bills. And I definitely struggle with my mental health a lot as well. So for me, if I'm not busy, I'll I'll just lay in bed all day. I think a lot of people who work at nighttime have that problem. So for me to be up during the day working is like really important and to be in a routine. And yeah, not as worried. I mean, we're all petrified about money at the minute, which is kind of kind of nice in a way we're all in it together. Um, But yeah, to have the money coming in just takes the pressure off. Thank God. Yeah. It's not like you're relying on from gig to gig. Well, if I, yeah, if I was relying on gig to gig, I would literally have a slice of bread for the month. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So you have, you kind of have the best of both. You have a bit of stability, but then you have the freedom of, and you're getting all those gigs coming in as well. Yeah. You're you're doing, doing both. So that's some of the challenges. And what have been the best bits along the way? The best bits, definitely getting the job that I have now was the best bit. And I think when I got the call that I'd gotten the job and I rang my dad and told him and how excited he was and happy he was like, I will never forget it. Cause I think it was a big relief for him to be like, she's finally got something that she's going to love like job wise. This is the broadcast job. Yeah. That I'm a broadcast coordinator in a radio station and I do, I really love it. So definitely that's been a big, huge highlight. Wednesday with Kevin was a highlight, even though <laughs> <laughs> even though it wasn't my best performance and uh, also seeing myself on TV, like the few shows I've done in the last, they've all happened in the last three years. So the three shows have been in the last year. So seeing myself on TV has been like a huge kind of like, oh, wow. Cause I think with the acting, I'd kind of fallen out of not love, but kind of fallen out of belief that it was ever going to happen for me. So okay. seeing myself on TV as a reminder, so well, that's still something that you love to do. You're obviously very resilient. I mean, you're just putting yourself out there. And I will imagine any, anyone working in acting or comedy or any any yeah. of the arts, it's a constant. You, resilience is so important because rejection can be so high, obviously. Like it's huge. But I would feel like I'm not resilient at all. Like I will overthink things that people have said to me like over and over and over again, like a a booker emailed me or messaged me. I apologized for a gig I did recently because I just didn't feel like it went that well. And I sent her a message apologizing. And she was like, oh, don't worry. Like, you never have to apologize for a bad gig. The only reason you'd have to apologize is if you turned up drunk or something. And I was like, oh, my God, does she think I was drunk? (laughs) I spent like a whole day being like, oh, my God, does everyone think I'm an alcoholic? Even though there's no reason that they would think that. But like, yeah. And then I got over it. Then the next day I was like, Tarn, why would anyone think that? Like, so definitely I need, to, I still need to talk to myself sometimes and be like, Tarn, no, you have to think positively about yourself and about the situation because I'm definitely an overthinker. And yeah, resilience is something I'm still working on, but I kind of let my love for it out. What, what would be the word? Like shine brighter than 
with the negativity that I'm feeling I kind of have to kind of keep it down when I'm feeling negative about myself yeah it sounds like you're quite hard on yourself but from an outside perspective it, it appears that you're resilient because you do you do yeah. keep doing it you don't give up I have to keep reminding myself that no one's thinking about me or talking about me like I always have to feel like Taryn no one has the time like they don't care that you you messed this up or you said the wrong word or like you were late by five minutes like no one cares they don't have time to think about it like I think yeah. reminding myself that is helpful for me I think it's we all need to do that yeah and it sounds like you know you needed as you said earlier you needed to go to Manchester you needed to do the travel all those things built upon each other to get you to where you are now like I don't think it would have been possible well, no. maybe it would have for you to go directly from school to comedy or, you know. No, I needed to, I needed to grow up as well. Like, I think I I matured late. So I needed to grow up and get to know myself. Like, I think and I know everyone probably thinks the same, but I really feel like I didn't know myself until I was in my 20s. Yeah. So everything like kind of when I look back, it's like I could I wouldn't change a single thing. Right. Um, That's but, a great way to be able to look at your life. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the few hangovers <laughs> I wish hadn't happened but other than that yeah I definitely wouldn't change a thing and so what lies ahead then for your next chapter so my dream is to have my own radio show on a, a big radio station in Ireland so that's like my overall goal and also an aim of mine is to bring my own show to Edinburgh this year to do like an hour-long show or I think it'd be about 50 minutes Show. So yeah, I'm going to start writing that and pitching it to the free fringe. So hopefully they're my two mega goals in the next year or so. Yeah, amazing goals. Yeah. Um, I'm sure you can absolutely do both. Um way hear you on the radio. And you're still so young, so there's there's plenty of time. Um, and there's always Botox. I mean, I'm I'm gonna stop <laughs> aging now for a couple of years. <laughs> what advice would you give to anyone that I suppose is stuck and wants to make a change or if there's somebody like you that has this real creative side but doesn't necessarily know how to go about unleashing it I think for the creative thing definitely like for me like I looked at improv when I started it as a hobby like just something I never went into it thinking this will lead to like a lifelong kind of love for this I just was like oh it's a class on a on a Tuesday night, um, something that's good for me. So maybe like, like that just started as a hobby. Like, so anything that you're interested in, like just go for it and be like, oh, well, I might enjoy this, whatever it is, and just see where it takes you. Because sometimes it's the people that you meet as well at these things that you just learn from. And advice, I would definitely just try and follow what you're passionate about. I know everyone says it, but I spent so long trying to make other people happy and to impress other people and really, things only ever started working out when I started trying to impress myself. Yeah. yeah. And what do your, do your parents go to your gigs now? Sometimes, yeah. And it like it took them a while to get on the bandwagon, but they're firmly on it now. They're strapped in. But yeah, it definitely took them a while because like I don't think anyone sees comedy in their generation as something for women. And obviously you're so vulnerable on stage. No one wants their child up there. So I th- I think it wasn't until my dad saw me getting really badly ha- heckled by three men and he saw me take them down that he was like, OK, <laughs> like, I've I've nothing to worry about. She's fine. And where where did you get your sense of humour from then? 
Oh, both my parents are very, very sarcastic and dry. And okay. Yeah, we could be at a funeral and one of them will come out with a great line. So. <laughs> okay, so, so it's a family trait. Yeah, and using comedy to kind of lighten things. Like whenever, like my brother's quite funny as well. Whenever there'd be an argument in the family, he'd always use humour to kind of lighten the situation. And I suppose I've always seen it as a relief. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Where can people find you? So I suppose there's the social media and everything, but when are your next gigs? I presume coming up to Christmas, you have a, a good few. Coming up to Christmas, I have a good few. Um, My next one, I'm actually in London next week. So that'll be my first trip to London for comedy. So that's really exciting. And then the 25th of November, I am on in the Bernard Shaw. Oh yeah, the 20th of November, I'm on in the Workmans. My Instagram is Taran, T-A-R-A-N-O-S-7-7 and all the details will be up there. Great. Well, I'll include the link to that in the bio so people can find it because you post your gigs all the time, don't you? Yeah. And I'm always, look, I just haven't been able to get a date, but I'm definitely, definitely going to go for one the next while. So I'll be keeping an eye on your Instagram. I'm so excited for you. It's great that um, it's really taken off and I hope um, continued success. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing your radio show in the future. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks to my lovely guest today and thanks to those of you that listened. If you like this episode, please share or tell a friend. I'll be back next time to talk to another amazing lady who has reinvented her next chapter. <laughs>